listening to the Dudes and Dads podcast, a show dedicated to helping men be better dudes and dads by building community through meaningful conversation and storytelling. And now, here are your hosts, Joel DeMott and Andy Lehman. Hey, welcome back, guys. We are back. It seems like it's been forever since we've reduced, released an episode. Because we have. It's been it's been quite a while. We we missed an episode. Uh, we were I was going out east and Joel was out west. The wild west, man. So we covered most of the country, but yeah. we didn't get an episode out and we apologize to you guys, so sorry about that. We know you've all been just waiting. <laughs> waiting Dying. by your, your podcast platform, just wondering when will they return. Well, Wait no longer, my friends. Here we, we are. are here. We are here. So, anyways, welcome back. It's been it's been a while. It's good to be back in the studio today to kick things off today. Though we actually have a voicemail uh, that we'd love to play for you. So, Cody, take it away. Hey, this is Cody Chaplin, Andy and Joel. Thank you so much for all that you've done with Dudes and Dads podcast. Uh, the current one about being the wall for your children really spoke to my heart. And uh, Joel, I think it was your comment about. Uh, the value of myself is not wrapped up in my children. And I think sometimes I struggle with that a lot because I want them to be good. I want them to be obedient. I want them to love Jesus. And the days where I see them not choosing to love Jesus and not choosing obedience, I take it very personal because I put my value in them. So thank you for taking those blinders off and helping me recognize where I need to repent to my children uh, for putting them in a place that Jesus should only hold. Well, thanks for calling in, uh, Cody. You can call in too if you want to get on the show. Our voicemail number is 574-213-8702. Or you can always take that memo app out on your phone, record us a memo, and send it to dudesanddadspodcast at gmail.com. That's beautiful, Corey. Uh, Man, thank you. For that so much uh we're just uh we're grateful that our message and our conversation is helpful to you and uh for all of you that have uh, continued to say thank you you know out out in public as you see andy and i um and just engage in that conversation it's incredibly uh well it helps us keep going yes it does <laughs> to know that you are you are out there and uh you're out there and listening and we're just uh we're grateful for Oh, we're grateful for all of you guys, honestly, and uh, we're we're looking to uh, finish this this year, this season, um, bigger, better, and stronger with uh, with just keep on uh, improving the conversations that we're having, and uh, we always love that feedback. Again, just to hear from you guys, uh, what would be helpful for us to talk about? Some great, uh, so send us your ideas. Uh, as always, we always love to hear. Uh, from each and every one of you. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Joel, tell us a little bit uh, about the topic we're going to be chatting about tonight. Oh, my goodness, Andy. Well, uh, did we... Did we decide on a on a fancier on the fancy title or I the, think I think we stuck with the fancy title. With the fancy so, title. Yeah, we're sticking with that fancy title. Excellent. Well, hey, tonight, guys, we're talking all about authenticity. We're talking about being real, uh, but we're going to some some deeper. Uh, Kind of some deeper spiritual, inner spiritual levels tonight that we're we're going to talk about. Obviously, Andy and I, uh, you know, in case uh, it hasn't come through, uh, or and however you've listened, you know, Andy and I are both uh, we are followers of Jesus. Uh, Jesus is 
I don't even say he's not number one in our life. He's the goal is that he is at the center of our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. And because uh, I always I always remember I'll never forget sitting back in Bible class way back in the day and. Uh, one of the professors is like, "Hey, you put Jesus number one. That's great and all. I know where you're where you're at, but you get to you get to check that off the list and go on to number two. No, it's got a Christian spirituality is at the center and the core of who we are, and affects every aspect. And so we we want to have that kind of conversation about um, being authentic, but being auth- what what being an authentic man looks like, being authentic people. And I should say again, this applies to uh, kind of the spiritual conversation we're having applies to everybody, but uh, obviously we're all dudes sitting around this table uh, here tonight uh, having this conversation. And uh, we are, again, uh, just so blessed and honored uh, to welcome a guest. Really, uh, I'm going to call him our armchair expert uh, here on the Dudes and Dads uh, podcast show. That, that sounds great. So yeah. we want to we welcome back <laughs> Sebastiano. You may rec- remember the episode a while ago that he talked about his life. Uh, we brought him back on this episode, so welcome to the show again. Thank you, thank you. It's great to be here again. Again, you're the first. He's the first uh, repeat guest, and I don't. Again, we wow. don't have a we don't have an award for that. But if we did, we'd <laughs> give it to him. <laughs> but uh, let's let's just go kind of the background of how we kind of said like, hey, this is. I think this is a conversation worth having on the podcast. Um, so right now, uh, Sebastiano. Um, Midweek is is leading uh, through a conversation on this on this book, which you know, which I'm just I'm kind of fascinated by, and I know it's been really helpful to a lot of people. Um, the author uh, Brent Curtis and John Eldridge, some years back, and this book has been out for mm-hmm. for a while, um, but just it's uh, in I think it's at least in second edition, if not third, at it's, least, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, the book is uh, entitled "The Sacred Romance: Drawing Closer to the Heart of God," and right now you're leading a group of guys through this through this book. Mm-hmm. But as we've been discussing its content and some of the key themes that are in it, I just got thinking and said, "I man, I think some of these would, I just think they'd be helpful uh, to talk through." Um, so tonight specifically, there's a chapter in there which I, the, the chapter title uh, you got to dig into it a little bit because it's it's like an interesting title. Uh, we're talking about less wild lovers, less <clears> wild <throat> lovers tonight. So uh, let's just at the at the outset, let's just unpack this idea of what this chapter dives into specifically. But that this general theme, because I feel like we we have frequent conversations about um, you call it less wild lovers, or you could call it about these other distractions, addictions, misplaced loves and attentions that we give. Um, so, Sebastiano, like dive us, kind of, let's go on a little bit of a dive here to um, what, what is it that long, like that we allow our heart to be captured by in life um, and, uh, and how does it, you know, just how does it affect us, how our relationships with one another, a transparency and realness with one another, and then also these kind of masks that I think we put on in life uh, as life kind of unfolds. Um, so how does this work? Like, how what is the human experience like with the less wild lovers? And I would I would have to say the book is something that we're using now at, at church. But I picked up the book twenty years ago, uh, fifteen years ago, uh, as I was trying to work through my own stuff yeah. mm-hmm. and. Um, 
it was recommended to me, and I've read it. Now I'm on the third time go around with it and, and working with other men. But the idea of that chapter and then the book in general is, so God created us. I'm going way, way back. Yes. But, uh, so God created us to be in relationship with him, uh, sent Jesus. This is a Christian podcast, right? So I'm going to preach yep. a little bit. You here. go for Absolutely. it. <laughs> so sent Jesus to reconcile us and bring us back into relationship with him and to let us know how much he loves us. And so even the title of the book, The Sacred Romance, some men, some dudes will look at that and think, oh, my goodness, that's mushy. so corny. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Mushy. I'm not, mm-hmm. not going to look at that. And that's not what real men do. And, and that's part of the book, actually, um, helping us understand what real men are supposed to be like. And mm-hmm. first and foremost, we're supposed to be lovers of Jesus, receive his love uh, for what he did for us, and then receive it and live in it in a way that we can become whole. John 10.10 says... I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Mm-hmm. And so I think what happens to us for a number of reasons, we substitute that. We allow other things to come into our lives to try to bring us satisfaction, joy, peace, comfort, instead of allowing Jesus to do that for us. And when Jesus does it, it's, it's authentic. It's the real deal. And that makes us more authentic in the way we live our lives and the way we interact with one another. But these less wild lovers, as you alluded to, are, are different ways. They're substitutes. They're ways of coping in a life that um, probably has been difficult. I don't know any person who hasn't experienced some amount of emotional, mental, physical pain and to that degree, we try to cope and try to survive. We try to get by. And the challenge is, I think, for us men who have gone through some difficult times as children, I hate to sound Freudian, but he did have a couple of things. Yeah, that, yeah. he was on something. Think, yeah. 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 And these childhood events, these childhood events of trauma, whether it's abuse of one degree or another, we're not mentally capable of reasoning and being able to work through, oh, this is why this happened. Mm, right. Um, it's not my fault or that right. sort of thing. But as children, we don't have that ability. And what we do is we believe lies that we're told. I'm bad. I did something wrong. Um, simple name-calling, verbal abuse is just as bad as physical abuse. So your parent or a significant adult one day calls you stupid. That's what you believe for, for years, that yeah. you're, you're stupid. And and I think and this Andy and I have talked about this before. Where I mean, there is this. I personally, like as a father, have this underlying fear that like at any moment I'm screwing my kids up by something that I've said to them that it is a a passing thought or it is in a moment of, of frustration or whatever. But that, but if nothing else, just within myself, recognizing that there are like words have the power to heal. And they have the power to to destroy to destroy Absolutely. Mm-hmm. and um and so you know even for those people listening right now they're like well you know I had a pretty good I had a pretty good childhood you know my parents didn't beat me you know uh, they didn't you know I mean we hear these obviously the extreme cases of like yeah you know uh, parents were arrested for child abuse and you know right. chaining their right. kids to the radiator in the room or you know these terrible mm-hmm. things like this mm-hmm. and we go well I didn't have anything like that. Um, and yet, you know the uh, the reality is, 
is that there are things said and then those things are just sort of swept under the rug or we move on from them, but they, they exist. They sort of exist They plant themselves there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I've, I like, even within myself with even going into adulthood, like it was a couple of, um, a couple of years ago, I was at a coaching event and, uh, 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 this really, <laughs> uh, just an amazing guy, uh, Henry Coetzee. He's, uh, uh, go on and on about his kind of his background really interesting but he's a he's a professional coach and he's training all of us in the kind of the art of you know of coaching and of direction and things like this and but the thing is is in order for us to do this well for others we have to first we have to go through the the steps ourselves we have to kind of you know right come right. clean and, and realize things and uh i just remember like at the time i wasn't like for some reason, I had a truth within me that was like, "Hey, if I if I exert my f- full personality, I will be perceived as arrogant and as a jerk." Like Joel being Joel is mm-hmm. unacceptable. Joel is too arrogant. Joel is too over the top. Now, when I was younger, that's a yeah, like Joel was too far over the top. <laughs> but like that had stayed that had stayed with me. That idea or that whatever had stayed with me. And I just remember there was a moment when we were working through this where he was like, and again, he's so skilled. I mean, we basically went through like two decades of history in about three minutes where he just like <laughs> mm-hmm. got right to the thing. Mm-hmm. And he just looked at me, he goes, he's, he just said, dude, you're, he said it more strongly than this, but he said, dude, you're a Viking. And, okay. and it was like, it just set me back in my chair. And, mm-hmm. and from, see, I had, so I had this narrative that was going mm-hmm. on in my life. Mm-hmm. He he named something, called something out in me, and it, there was like there was a significant shift. But it was just it was words, but mm-hmm. it wasn't just words. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, that just is my personal example to say, like I I even in in my adulthood, I mean, I was thirty three years old when that happened, and like all of a sudden I'm like I've been living under something here, you mm-hmm. know, not aware. Um, but it just took someone who I respected to say something very intentional to me. To actually begin to correct to call, course, to yeah. call that out and to, you know, uh, make you see it, yeah, yeah. So, like you said, sometimes you come from wonderful homes, but it's not the home life. Then maybe it's in school, right. maybe it's peers at school, um, maybe it's a life event when you started working. But somewhere, somehow, you've believed this lie that there's something wrong with you. I'm not fully the person that I should be. Um, because human nature, too, I think we compete and we compare. And so if I'm not like so-and-so, if I'm not like that successful person, then there must be something wrong with me. I mean, media is terrible mm-hmm. in terms yeah. of giving us the impression of how we should live and what we should look like, what we should, clothes we should wear and what we should eat. And, yeah. and then what we do is we, we stuff that. We, so we pretend or we're superficial. And no one knows what's really going on in my life. No one really knows how insecure I might be. No one really knows the the addiction that I might be struggling with. And no one is going to know. Right. Um, because, and there's a number of reasons why we are superficial. I mean, I think, first of all, the culture. I remember growing up watching this movie called The Mag- Magnificent Seven. And it's about these seven cowboys was a western and they go into this town and the town is corrupt and there's like a hundred bad guys in the town but these seven 
the seven on their own are able to correct things mm -hmm. and save the rest of the town. But there's a song um, that was played, unfortunately, during the 70s for our cigarette. Oh, okay. Uh, Marlboro yes. Is, a, yes. is a cigarette. And bum, 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 And these guys are riding it on their horses like every little boy wants to be right. strong and be able to resolve issues on their own and not tell anybody that something wrong, but just take it and resolve it and, and move forward. So one little example, I think, of how the culture tells us, even if you do have something, you don't tell anybody about it. You take it by the scrub of the neck and you take care of the problem yourself. That's one of the lies mm -hmm. because we don't really resolve the issue. Yeah, it gets buried or it gets projected in a different way, and it, and it's still there with us. Well, and I think even just as a culture, we're told as men, you can't cry, you can't be emotional, and so for the for us, we stuff those things and and put on this front of you know we're big and we're bad because like you right. said, everyone wants to do that, and then everyone's told you know that's what a real man is, and so that's where you know you start believing these lies you know that that people are mm -hmm. telling you. Mm -hmm. And we're even into a place now, I mean, like, even as I sit here, I get a little, I don't know, uh, I don't know what the, what the word is, I feel a little bit cringy of like, because we are talking about some traditional traits of manhood and masculinity and, and these sort of things, right. and there's there's a lot of confusion about that, We've, we're, we're now, you know, we're throwing out toxic masculinity mm -hmm. uh, terminology and phrase, where it's, even now it's like, man, I'm just, like, I'm I'm now becoming self-conscious about which I think is a struggle self-conscious about um even asking the question what does it mean to be an authentic man what does it mean to be what you know because yes I hold I do hold the perspective that uh there are uniquenesses to women and uniquenesses to men and that that is a that is a difference that is a god-given difference as mm -hmm. it reflects his yeah, identity and who, and who he is so uh, you know that being said, um, you know, I just, in trying to figure out, there just seems to be, because I recognize it within myself, a lot of confusion about what what it would look like for men to be authentic with each other. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, that's a big, I, I was just talking with another pastor friend of mine, a, a mutual friend, all of us would know him, and the other day, and, and you know, he just said he he's a, He's in a different area of ministry right now, but he's just like he's like men's ministry. He's like I, I just feel like there is just this gaping hole need to be able to to go to deeper places in, in within the hearts of men because and and I experience it all the time. And for those of you listening, if you're in my, in my church, just we'll just say I'm not talking about you. Um, but like, like going to important deep spiritual places with men just at times, man, it feels like such a labor. It, it feels like we've just got to like take baby steps by with baby steps. And again, I'm, I'm painting with a broad brush here. Whereas women's, the women's Bible study meeting down the hall, like two times in, like they've shared, you know, they've mm -hmm. shared life story. So I, I recognize there are probably some, there are some gender differences there. Mm -hmm. We could say that, but there is just this, this uh i don't know there are these layers this kind of this this hardness to the, to that that i experience so often 
And I'd like to say that I, I experience it less within the church. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I'm not sure that's the reality, though. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think so. Well, I think the church, though it should be a place where men and women, anyone would feel comfortable to be vulnerable and open and honest and say, please you know, help me, please help me grow my faith, please help me with these issues. Somehow, and yeah, I don't have the answer, but somehow we've projected church to be a place where you have it all together. Right. And uh, if you if you dare would, you know, we have opportunities the way our services are structured. You can come forward if you want prayer for something, stand up, raise your hand. Somehow there's this uh, demonstration that I'm vulnerable and I need your help. Forget it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, because no one else, you know, I mean, you know we look around and yeah. I grew up in the church my whole life. And even right. when they had the invitation to accept Jesus, you know, you're, you're kind of looking around one eye open, <laughs> are my other friends doing this? It's just that whole peer pressure. Yeah. And it's not just as adolescents. No, I think peer pressure is with us as, as adults, as, as men. I mean, we want to be accepted. We want to be part of the, uh, of the group, but, there's a lot of, of hurting men out there. I would even say pastors, yeah. um, as we've done and read studies, um, how many pastors are struggling with different types of addictions, mental illness, emotional disturbances. We've, um, we've lost a lot of high, even to suicide this past year. We, I think uh, I've got three names right off the top of my head of pastors we've lost to suicide in this past this past year. That were, I mean, and I don't, I'm not offering any simple solution. I'm just saying that there was... These these people were in the center of thriving ministry leadership, and they were sinking themselves. And uh, even there, they were not like you would think they're in that role. Like, oh man, what a great opportunity! Like they would clearly be in in relationship with other people and would have close support and things like that. And many people, they just like they themselves were were cut off somehow or didn't, mm-hmm. or didn't have a, didn't see a way, a way out. Well, and I think as, I mean, I'm, I'm not a, prof- a professional pastor. I'm not, you know, I vocational, don't have a, whatever, a vocational, yeah. whatever yeah. that is. Yeah. But I think that, I mean, especially like you're held to a higher standard, like pe- people in the church are ho- holding you, you, you have this perce- perception that, that you, you, people don't want to see you as, as a real person that they want to see you as, pastor who gets up and, and has it all together. And I think, I mean, I think that's, that's false. I, I think coming from the other side, that's not, that's not true. I don't think we hold you to that standard, but at the same time, I think that I could completely see why as a pastor, you hold yourself to that standard where you're like, I can't let people know who I actually am, especially people in your church, because you're, you're pastoring that those people you're supposed to be <laughs> guiding them. And they pay my paycheck. Right. <laughs> right. And that's why I, I, think, I think that's why it's super important for, for you guys as pastors and anybody else who's listening who is in a vocational job to have other places, other people, other pastors that aren't necessarily in your church to to be able to come together and say, hey, this is the stuff that's going on in my life. Yep. I think that's a key. That is the key, I think, in terms of having at least one or two other people that you can be open with and, and honest and and vulnerable uh, and vulnerable, we don't mean that you start crying and whimpering. Yeah. If you cry, that's fine too. But I mean, right. vulnerable means that you're completely honest with yourself and with at least one other person to say, this is what's going on in my life. My life isn't perfect. Right. I don't have everything together. Um, I struggle in my marriage. I struggle as a parent. 
I struggle as a pastor, um, um, and to cope, I've gotten involved and, and done some things that aren't healthy and less wild lovers, we can call them, addictions, but yep. um, it's, uh, it's prevalent, and um, it's, it's something that we have to find a way to make fe- people feel safe enough to at least come forward and, and acknowledge, I need help. Um, and sometimes, like you said in the beginning, Joel, it could be something severe where there's been abuse and the addictions are, um, there's, you know, there's correlation. Uh, the more painful your situation is, typically the greater involved you are in trying to find ways of, of coping. And so the addiction might be uh, something that drinking, uh, drugs, uh, pornography is huge for men. You know, whatever you want to believe, statistically, 7 out of 10, 8 out of 10. Right. Um, yeah, and those are just ways of anesthetizing our struggle and our pain that we're going through. Um, if we could find one person. When I worked at Teen Challenge, I remember what they used to call this one. When, when someone would finally confess and say, yeah, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a drug addict, they would use the term, the monkey's off my back. Yeah. And the idea, they would describe it as when you're living the lie when you're hiding everything, there's, it feels like this monkeys on your back, literally scratching, biting, just you're so uncomfortable. You're so, you're using so much energy and there's so much stress because you're in denial and you're hiding who you really are. And I, I'll never forget that. They'd say, oh, the monkey's off my back. I mean, there's a peace and, and um, a sense of well-being almost instantly when you're able to say, guys, this is what... I have struggled with for for years, um, and sometimes it's just I'm a workaholic. So we say, "Oh, the guy works hard." There's nothing really wrong with that. It's not yeah. like he's addicted to pornography or he's an alcoholic. But even those who are workaholics, it's a way of covering up for a, a sense of not feeling adequate. Yeah. So I need to work hard. I need to achieve. And people who are workaholics don't know even how to relax. Um, if you have a day off, you're like, oh, I'm just feeling so uneasy, so uncomfortable. So I need to start doing something. Yeah. Um, so there, I know there's a lot of pastors and even other professionals out there that would be described as workaholics. It's um, it's just again a way of coping and, and covering up, covering up our pain. And I think the one I said was just one example that. Um, we got to be tough. We got to be hard. Uh, Andy, you alluded to it as well. But I think another one that we hide behind is if anyone ever found out what I'm struggling with, that would be the end of the relationship. Those people would abandon me, yep. if not reject me. And then there's a fear of just natural consequences. If they find out at work, mm-hmm. I'm done. I'll be fired. And so we believe all these all these lies that we have to hide what's really going on in our lives because if people find out, if work finds out, if the church finds out, my spouse finds out, um, for parents, especially dads, if my kids um, find out that I'm not Superman, um, that's it, our relationship is over. The best thing we can do for our kids as dads is show them how human we are and um, how we can um, cope with our mistakes in ways that are healthy and appropriate as opposed to um, um, unhealthy and inappropriate ways. What, what would you say 
is uh, like if you're going through life and there's just a, a chronic lack of transparency in your life, what are the long-term spiritual effects of that, of, of living in that way? Where, where does that take you? Yeah, I think what happens is it's uh, a way of coping that seems all right, that seems like I'm getting by, but what you're really doing is you're shutting the door on not only people, but then on your relationship with Jesus. Yeah. Um, your spiritual relationship tends to suffer, begins to suffer because you're not fully engaged in what um, you could be doing as a Christian in terms of your lifestyle. Um, so, yes, we're covering up, we're shut down, we're not letting anybody in, but that also includes um, uh, the Lord in terms of the, the spiritual discipline. So you might even be applying and practicing some of the spiritual disciplines. And if you are, and you're able to say, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm praying every day, or I'm reading my Bible every day, but I'm, I'm just not, I'm just yeah. not getting anything. Yep. I'm and that's not, what you're referring to as discipline. So we right. typically talk about the traditional ones, uh, you know, prayer, reading of scripture, um, some, you know, fasting. We go on, you go on down the, down the the road, but typically right, those are kind right. of the ones that kind of come to mind quickly. Yeah. And when when a person will say, I, "I've been doing these, and I'm just not getting anything out of it. I don't seem to feel or experience God's presence," that can be a a, a sign, unless one percent, and we won't get into this, but the term "the dark night of the soul." Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, it's typically a sign of that you're you're shut down. Um, so you're shut down because you don't want anyone to know who you are, and a consequence of that is you're shutting out uh, what the Lord wants to do in our lives. And, and, and I guess in my experience, what what starts happening is that like men lose the they lose the vocabulary to talk about spiritual things. Mm-hmm. Like as they're as they're close as they close down, even the ability to give voice to right what they feel there's a numb there's kind of a numbness that sets in there and then because quite honestly we have to we have to have a spiritual vocabulary so to speak to be able to name the things that are going on and to name our way out of and towards something different Mm -hmm. and i think when when you're not listening to when you're not paying attention to your heart over a period of time um there, there is this, I mean, there's kind of this, like you become this shell of a person that uh, can't really speak about their inner life. I mean, they, they don't have, they don't have words for it. And, um, and I, I just, I, I think like when it comes to like authentic living authentically with other people, that it's like a spiritual muscle basically mm-hmm. that has to be has it to has be to exercised. Be, yeah, because the more you exercise that, yeah. the stronger it's going to get. Right, yeah. yeah. Right. And, and I've, I've felt those times personally where I'm like, I have not had, um, like right now Andy and I are trying to get our our group of uh, our group of men that we've, <laughs> we've done just so much life with over the last going, you know, decade and a half and going on 15 years. Mm. And uh, we're, we're trying to get together. We've all got, we're all in that busy young kids, multiple young kids stage <laughs> of life. But, you know, I, there is a number one, just a general catharsis to sitting to sitting down. But like, 
the and, I, and and men, I just I want you to hear this. Like the freedom that lies in being able to sit sit with people who really do know you and who can really and where you can say exactly what's going on. Like you can you can name everything like everything down to the final degree of where, you know, where your marriage is not doing well, where you where you're you're fearing about how you're raising your kids, where there are maybe it's like hey, we're not handling finances well, whatever whatever that wherever that might be. Um, where you can be in that space, be totally transparent and not be judged for it. Like therein lies, therein lies freedom, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. because if we can experience that from people that we, we trust, especially people that are on the, on a, you know, a similar faith journey to us, you know, that are for in this case, these men that are also following after Jesus, you know, as I am, uh, we begin to maybe believe that if they won't judge me and shame me, Maybe God, who is even greater than they are, can also respond the same way. And and the thing that, and yet God can do a thing that they can't do, and that is forgive me. Mm-hmm. Right. Ultimately, let's talk a little bit though about how you how you start that journey with those people, because obviously we talked about you know as men as dudes we're kind of got this wall up and we don't want anyone to know. So how do you even go about starting like sitting down and saying, Hey, Joel, this is the junk that I deal with. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, we, we as men have friends, but to take it to that next level, that's a hard thing to do. So how do we do that? I was, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, I think if we start with uh, the truth that's in scripture. And so we have a model in Jesus. Um, I love, I love the way Jesus modeled, not only authenticity, but he also modeled it in a way that you can't be that way with everybody you meet. Yeah. Um, it's just not humanly possible. We're not wired that way. But so in Jesus, we see three different stories in the gospel where he, so he has the 12, but then he brings the three, right. Peter, James, and John, into these more intimate settings. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's about to acknowledge to the Father, okay, we'll do this. I'm going to give up my life. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to be killed. And it says in the stories there that he's, he's crying so deeply that it's, he's shedding blood. I right, mean, it's... Right. And who's there? I, I mean, that's one of the most vulnerable descriptions I've heard of a human being, um, just sobbing and just crying, expressing their pain and their fear. And there's Peter, James, and John. In a very vulnerable yeah. situation, and if you're Jesus, if you go, if you go the way of uh, of fear of authenticity, you're like, okay, listen, I'm the Messiah here. These dudes cannot see <laughs> that I'm, I'm having a moment yeah. of uh, coming yeah. potentially unglued here. Yeah. Um, and yet, and yet he does, and they see fit. They still see fit to follow him, number one, and then also uh, write about him in a way. That others could follow as well. Exactly. Right. Well, they wrote they wrote yeah. that story. They wrote yeah. that piece about him. And then the other story I like is when he is on the Mount of Transfiguration. They call oh, it. Oh yes. Again, he brings the twelve, and then he says to the nine, "You guys wait here. Peter, James, and John, come with me." Yep. This is Luke nine. Is a really great account of it. Yes. Yeah. And then he he is transfigured into the Holy One. That, yeah. 
And yeah. it's like, to me, that's a sign of being completely open. Here's who I really am, guys. Right. You see me here. Yeah. Now I'm giving you another level of who I really am. Yeah. And then I loved, you know, Peter, hey, man, uh, let's just hang out here. Can we just build <laughs> yeah. a little he did Because he, he didn't know what else to say, which right. is a great. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> let's see. Yeah, build you a hut. James and John are like, yeah. Yeah. And so. I think Jesus models for us the importance of you can find one or two, maybe three other guys that you can trust and be completely open yeah. and honest with. How does that happen? Um, it happens very carefully. It happens slowly. It happens with a great risk. Um, but in, it needs to happen. I wish I could say there's another way around it. <laughs> you you will have to. There will be some failure in this process. I think this is, by the way, if 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 you're a person that's got a hurting heart, this is the tough part, right? Because you've got to walk in. You've got to step out on the on the limb. Well, you've probably been hurt. Yes, because right. someone's. And so the, yeah. there's there's believe me, the enemy wants wants. And and always possible to keep you away from other people that could help you find wholeness, right? So there is, uh, yeah, there's a lot of conversation you can have within your own heart that just says like these. I cannot trust people with this right. stuff because it, you know it's like those lies that we believe that I said a few minutes ago. If anyone else finds out about me, that's it. I'm yeah, done. Done. However superficial our relationship might be. It'll be right. it'll be over. And if you're working on trust, here uh, this is the simple truth about trusting people. If you want to learn to trust people, trust them. Right. Yeah. And, and like you said, I think it's going to become it's a slow it's a slow process because even sometimes the people you think you can trust, you can't necessarily trust. True. And yeah. I think I think it's one of those things you just yeah be vulnerable and say, hey, we've done a lot. Of, I mean, for me, this is how it's worked. It's like we've done a lot of life together. Right. Um, we've gone through a lot of stuff, and so I've been able to say, hey, Joel, hey, Matt. Brian, you guys like you guys can hold me accountable for these things. You know, this is what I'm dealing with. I trust that you're not going to run and tell it to everybody because I've been through stuff with you, right. and 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 so that's where I started. Is it's kind of like, hey, we've shared life together. You've I've I've experienced this in your life, and you've experienced this in my life. I, I feel like I can trust you with the fact that I'm you know I, I can ha- hold you accountable, or I can have you hold me accountable with the stuff that right. is hard for me. To talk about with that everybody but you do have to live life with other people and and, the, and that's that's the thing um i've got some people in mind in my own life where you know they are kind of an island unto themselves in many ways and it makes it does it makes it incredibly difficult for them to engage in authentic community because you know if you don't make yourself known you know if you do if you have to put yourself out there to make to make yourself known and and that there is absolutely risk. There's absolutely risk involved with that. But the reward far, I mean, that's the thing. Yes. I, I can't say loud enough. It's like the reward so far outweighs the risk. And, you know, we take, and the thing is, you know, friends, the the risk that you might be taking right now um, to try to soothe this, this disquiet in your soul, um, there is ultimately at the end of the day, there is only one there is only one for sure outcome for all of this is that it will get deeper and it will get darker and it will get lonelier. And as you, as you walk into these inner, as it gets darker, um, it's going to feel less and less like there's a way out. 
and and that's why I think for some, I mean, for for these dearly beloved pastors and spiritual leaders who who I mean, think about this. They had you know put their faith in Jesus. They had said you know Jesus, uh, my life is in His hands, and yet something was able to grab hold of their heart in such a way where where not even that truth could bring them out of of ultimately of of their life here on earth ending and you know so i mean this is this is real stuff i the the, the levels of importance of this i mean this is why we're talking about it is because um it's not something to be played with uh, the the um it can just feel like and i i know this like you're just getting by and you're doing what's necessary to get by in this life and maybe you've maybe you've come from a rough family position, maybe things at work have been tough, maybe marriage is tough, whatever, and if oh, I'm just doing this so that I don't completely fall apart, let, let me just absolutely guarantee you that it will absolutely fall apart eventually. Mm-hmm. It, it might be a decade from now. Um, it might be, I mean, Sebastiano and I have talked about how many, how many uh, high-profile Christian leaders after decades of service in the church, high-profile service in the church, uh, international acclaim and books published and sermons preached and right. so on and so forth. It turns out that it is, it is, it is kind of a facade or it is, it is just a, it is a one narrative that underneath all of that, it's just, you know, those individuals are crumbling on the inside and they're engaging in all kinds of uh, behaviors that are, Yeah. And and almost to a person, there's always that same relational. Well, it's a lack of relational. There isn't one person who has held them accountable or who's aware of who they are right. and how they live their lives. Um, there is a um, uh, a counseling ministry in Akron, Ohio, called Emerge Ministries, and every year for the last twenty years, statistically, they have hundreds, maybe four or five hundred pastors, missionaries, Christian leaders uh, who come in for counseling because they've been involved in inappropriate behavior. Mm -hmm. And the most common theme is that they didn't have a person in their life who would hold them accountable. They didn't have someone in their lives that knew everything about them. Um, And one of the statistics is that they didn't have a close friend they felt they can confide in. Right. And this idea that you're hiding things, that you're trying to live this life, meanwhile you have the secret life. If you could find one person, just just one other person that you could be completely open and honest with. And like we said, if you can start by saying, um, when I was 10 years old, I stole candy. Mm-hmm. You know, so we start in right. kind of in a safe. Right. Um, we did that in, in, our, in our Bible study um, I asked the men to say, all right, so tonight we're going to confess one of the worst things we've ever did in their eyes. You know, <laughs> and then I said, by the way, it had to happen before you were 10 years old. You know, oh, like, so, <laughs> oh, thank goodness. Okay. But yeah, you know, joking aside, maybe you start that way. Yeah. Hey, when I was a kid, yeah. this is what I struggled with. And, and if you can trust the person, if there isn't a judgmental response, if there isn't a look like, right. oh my goodness, if there's compassion instead. Yep. And if there's acceptance, then we can move forward and, and begin to be completely. And like you said, both of you said, I think there's something freeing. I think there's something naturally healthy about being 
open and honest because that's how we were created to be to be loved and to be known and to love and to know is why God created us this mutual relationship and it as dads I think not only for yourself but what a example that you can set for your kids um, your children learn by modeling I learned some great behaviors from my dad, but I also learned some <laughs> yeah. things I, I'm, I'm trying not to repeat. But right. I mean, it's not just about us as individuals. We influence the lives that are in our homes. And I would say it's never too late, Dad, whether you're 30 and your kids are still at home or whether you're 60, you still have conversation with your kids. And maybe one of the best things you can do if you're right now apart and there isn't a relationship is make the call and just say, I'm sorry, that would go volumes yep. uh, for a, for a son or a daughter to receive that from a, from a father who's never said that before. I have an illustration. I don't know. We could send this. Uh, we yeah, could we'll put it, put it in our okay. show notes. We'll make the yep. diagram. We'll make the diagram in the show <laughs> okay. notes. So. But there's, there's this bullseye real quick. So in the center, of course, is God. And then the next layer outside is our true or authentic self. And then in the very outside is the false self or the public self. And that's who we present. That's who we let people in. And then I've, I've got these lines and... And Joel and Andy, they can they can see it. Uh, so as the line, lines move in, they move closer together. So you're not only getting closer together to another person, but you're moving closer to God at yeah. the same time. Yep. And I believe in the spiritual disciplines of silence and solitude. But I I think, I think, and I believe that you've got to be in relationships with others if you're fully going to grow and mature into all that God has called you to be. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I I'm uh I guess I'm just super I'm super sensitive these days too. I mean, you talked to well, like, to talk about yes, definitely our our relationship with each other as men and how we're going to better places and more authentic places with with each other. Um the thing I'm trying to figure out uh Maybe, maybe Andy, you've got maybe you've got the older child. Maybe you've got the magic insight on this. Is ex- expressing authenticity with my children, with my young, with my young children, and um, because you said it. I mean, I got to get like I got to get better at I got to get better at saying I'm sorry to my kids. Um, I know that because there's there's times where we'll go through life, we'll go through something, we'll be our daily whatever, and it's like. I didn't handle that well. I'll re- I'll acknowledge that within myself, but that I won't I won't go back to my kid. Mostly because mostly because if I tell my ten year old, "Hey man, I know they did that thing earlier, and I dad should not have done that, or I should have said this instead, or whatever," he'll be okay. Dad, thanks. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like it's a bigger. It can come across like a bigger deal to me. But let let me say this publicly. He might say, "Yeah, okay, dad." Sure, but you have no idea, right? Subconsciously how that's been tucked away in, in right. the heart and in the mind. And yet I'm modeling it to him, right? Absolutely. That that, that, that sort of behavior is going to be common is going to be commonplace where even though I'm the father, I'm the authority, I'm the whatever more experience, more knowledge, whatever, that I am never above offering myself up to say, 
I, I wasn't as I should be. I was not at my best at that moment. Mm-hmm. I was not as right. I should be before before you. And so I'm I'm in a way sub, I mean I'm submitting myself to this this greater desire for authenticity mm-hmm. and saying that that's going to be the thing that wins out at the end of the day. And you know, dads, maybe you've got maybe you've got something you just need to tell. I don't yeah you know, like I don't care what uh, what age uh, your kid is. Maybe you've got something that you just need to say. Hey, didn't handle it right. Didn't do it right. I missed. I missed that one. And I think it's important to you to do that in your marriage too, in in front of your kids, like yeah. and do that and show them. Yeah, hey, I, I suck you, at that. Yeah, big time. like you're, you know, <laughs> me and your mom had this argument, and yeah. like, but I know, I'm sorry. Like, you apologize and say that you're wrong, and I think that goes speaks volumes to them also That's too. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Jackie and I usually argue in front of our kids about arguing with our kids it's uh <laughs> it's a weird it's a weird you're the good cop she's the well, bad cop or vice versa we, we or? don't and i i mean I, I get it like we don't always agree at how we it's easy i guess to disagree with each other about how we're handling a situation with with our kids i mean maybe that's it but we we have that that disagreement in front of them which is which is not it's not ideal it's not how i li- i'd like to like model that better uh again the modeling thing i mean even if kids can't give exact language to what they're seeing they do know how it makes them feel um they do have uh i mean one of my children i mean jackie and i've been in an argument before but it's like one that's gone on longer or whatever and like you know all of a sudden you're like you're realizing like okay two of my children are crying right now mm-hmm. and why are they 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 are just have they are having emotions about the fact that we are we're arguing mm-hmm. you know through through something and so it's like and that's where you get like I hope I'm not screwing my kids up I do not want this to be the sum total of what they mm-hmm. remember of mm-hmm. of their childhood mm-hmm. but um but I can literally I mean for my own childhood I can literally remember the two bad fights my parents had yelling you know yelling at us in front of in front of literally two um in a lot of years and so. I'm just going to assume there were a lot of uh, ones that I was not privy to, and I was not uh, I was not aware of. But, um, but may, but I I just make note of like those things are vivid. Like I I have the imagery in my mind. I can remember the place. I can remember the smell. Like, yeah, like yeah. the whole thing. The whole and it's just and it's just like those are important things to realize. Like uh, um, our children are definitely paying attention to how we're how we are living authentically or inauthentically. Well, as we're talking about modeling, one thing that comes to mind that we've experienced in our home is is the emotional response to the situation needs to be appropriate. So, mm-hmm. if something uh, the the kids tease me um, because we might be watching something, or we've gone to a movie, we watch something, and they say, "Okay, uh, Dad's going to cry now." <laughs> and, uh, and I've, I've teased them, real men cry. Yeah, but right. when there's a situation where a puppy dies or yeah, the puppy? a relationship ends that you wish they just would have gotten together, um, yeah, tears well up. Right. or um, um, and, and they tease. But again, inside, you've set a standard for subconsciously down the road, it'll be conscious for them to say, oh, they're not going to say, it's very unlikely they'll say, oh, yeah, I remember 10 years ago when we watched this movie, my dad cried, so it's okay for me to cry. Right. But that's what's happening in your mind, in your heart. And so appropriate responses to events is, is also an important way to model uh, for kids how to be authentic. 
It's with so, your friends, yeah, with our peers. Yeah. So when we're at a, a movie, we're sitting around and we're talking. Yeah. Um, how many of us try to be authentic, and then you get teased or it's a yeah. joke? And we've uh, Andy and I have been on a, at least a well one or two uh, marriage retreats where uh, with your spouses, with our, yes, yeah, not yeah. together, yeah. Not. Yeah. Yeah. But we're like we're been we we did one a few years back where it was all it was four of us couples or whatever, and I just I just remember like you just had a sense it was going it was going somewhere, and it's like by the end it's like. Okay, now eight people are going to sit in this room and cry to, and cry together, <laughs> and uh, you know, and it, but again, we had that experience together, and so now I know. Oh, that's a safe. That's a safe thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also remembering now. Uh, so I will. I will never forget sitting in my dad's lap. We're watching the um, uh, Pistol Pete Maravich. You, you, yeah. good old Pistol Pete, right? We're watching. It's like there's like a it's a movie about him, and it's like a drama. You know, it's not like a documentary, but it's like a biopic or whatever they would call it. And there's what is it? There's this moment. Pistol Pete is having like overcoming some adversities in the gym. You know, he spends hours and hours mm-hmm. and hours in the gym. And what is it his his dad walks into the gym and gives him this like oh like. uh it, basically, this like doing hard things is worth it kind of discussion, or whatever. And I, first time ever, I can literally remember the tears coming down my dad's face. He's like, and I'm like, I tried to ask him, like, Dad, what did he? And my dad's so choked up, he can't, he can't like talk to me or whatever. And I just, <laughs> and it was just like, um, but see, to the point, I remember that vividly. Like that was that was okay mm-hmm. for my father to be moved by something like mm-hmm. that—a conversation between a father, uh, a father and son—and uh, you're just you're, I'm I'm having multiple memories uh, this evening of like yes, in my mind I didn't like as a young child like reason through like oh it is okay to da da da, but there the emotional experience did lead to some lead to some understandings right. which is I don't know maybe. Maybe that's why I grew up to be a pastor and a counselor. Is I just I had all these. Uh, I need the need to let people know it's okay to. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Express empathy. their emotion, empathy, sympathy, think compassion. Yeah. yeah, this is a very good conversation, guys, and I think we could probably go on for hours, <laughs> hours, hours, and, and hours. hours. Uh, but yeah, like if you guys have any feedback about this, we would love to hear your perspective, how you deal with being authentic. Uh, and 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 being real with the people around you. What what's worked for you? What's not worked for you? How do you go about creating these groups, uh, these these friendships that you can be real with? Um, we, yeah. What and what scares you? What's keeping you from it? Um, love to hear more about that too. I, I you know, again, I, I mean, our purpose in this show is just to have this this kind of organic, authentic conversation around it. Is to say, it is possible. Uh, we ourselves have experienced it. It did not happen overnight. It was it was work, and that which is by the way we haven't actually said. I mean, maybe overtly to say you will have to work at yes. this. Anything exactly. worth doing, um, it, it's a spiritual labor, and but it's also just the physical thing of like, hey, you know, like like Andy and I are trying right now. Like, hey, we are actually, you know, we've talked online, but we're actually going to have to like. Get together. Get together. We're <laughs> gonna have to do this. We're gonna find a time. Right. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a work, you know, a work in progress. So, uh, we 
that's what we kind of want to inspire in in all of you or to get you guys thinking about it if you haven't. And and again, maybe like wherever you are spiritually, maybe you're like, "Eh, I'm not really, I don't even know about the whole Jesus thing or whatever. Let let me just tell you, pure, plain, and simple, um, whether or not you're even at a place to be able to think about this at a at a deeper spiritual level, uh, human being. I mean, there's there. I can even say it from a, a scientific standpoint. Human beings need relationship with each other, and they need safe places and authentic places. I, I don't care what your faith background is, um, and all of that. Those those are important things. And we just fundamentally believe that if you are in relationships where you can be authentic, you can be your real real self, you can, yes, confess things to each other, you can work through things with each other, um, you're going to be a better dude, you're going to be a better dad. And um, and that's what we're here. That's what we're here to encourage, uh, ultimately. And uh, we don't claim to be the experts on it entirely, but uh, we, we've had some experiences. We, yeah. we, we think we... Uh, we think our experience is worth sharing to encourage you guys. So that's our that's our goal. So we're just grateful that you guys um, tuned in, listened up. Uh, we want to say, as always, to Dr. Sebastiano, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for uh, the privilege of being here. We're going to schedule his. We're going to schedule his third uh, third interview. His third interview <laughs> here, uh, on, <laughs> ongoing. Um, our armchair expert. So Andy. Uh, it's been another great one. Man. It has. We want to remind you guys to make sure that you check us out on Facebook and Instagram, Twitter even. Uh, go ahead and check out our website. And that's going to be Dudes and Dads Podcast at gmail.com. And I'm um, sorry, no, dudesanddadspodcast.com. That, yeah. that was our email address. Yes, thank you. Uh, all these things to remember. Can't remember them all. <laughs> But uh, we want to thank also our our Patreon supporters. Uh, if you want to check us out and help support the show too, you can go to dudesanddadspodcast.com slash support if you want to join our wonderful Patreons. Thank you guys so much for all the support. Keep the feedback coming. And until next time, grace and peace.